Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. A member of the industry syndicate. This is where success happens. Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. Here's your host, Todd Duncan. Hello, real estate and mortgage world. It is Todd Duncan coming at you again with another podcast. This is where success happens. And we are a little bit on this global international kick right now. And we have one of Australia's leading real estate agent. His name is David Walker. He works with Ray White. Ray White is a 117 year old real estate company. And David's got awards a mile long all the way from number one selling agent to number one agency of the year, number one agent of the year. And yet what makes him special is there's nothing really, really magical about how he earns that. He just takes really brilliant care of his customers. He works in uh, uh, North Sydney, about 11 miles outside of the city center. And uh, David, great to have you joining us from uh, the Eastern shores of Australia today. Thanks for having me. It's so good to, to see you again. We first uh, met at the uh, Australian Real Estate Conference in, on the Gold Coast, and uh, you were a presenter there, a kind of a, a best practices symposium of, of top producing real estate agents. And, and uh, Deb and I were there, and we listened to your story, and I am really excited that we get to kind of unpack that today for our global audience. And it's just good to see your face again. So how's how's everything going with COVID and, and how are you doing as a, a family and a real estate agent right now, given the kind of the global pandemic? Yeah, look, we're doing really well, thank you. Um, it's eight, probably eight to 10 weeks ago, we, me, me and my business partner were quite nervous that obviously with everything going on in the world and um, we, we were quite nervous about what the outlook looked like. But um, it's been a bit of a crazy ride just uh, I think the last day of July today. And um, for me personally, it's been a record month. And for our business, it's been a record month. So um, I don't really know how to read into that, but um, very different to what we were uh, forecasting. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of um, not to diminish or minimize any of the, the the challenge, you know, with the pandemic and what it does to certain sectors and and whatnot. But I think the the housing and the the lending sector has has bared itself out pretty well, given all the the, the lower interest rates, uh, the ease of, of maybe getting more property for you know the dollar today, and and certainly uh, you know you have your your seasons of of hardship and and uh, and and a little bit easier, and it seems like uh, Australia's doing well in the financial sector. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, in, in our area, it's probably been more a case that. The the, uh, the people that are selling are the people that really want to sell. So the opportunistic sellers are probably out of the market. And so therefore, ones that are coming to market are realistic on price. Buyers realise that interest rates in our country are very low, historically low. And um, we live in the best part of the, in my opinion, the best country in the world. So uh, <laughs> we, everyone wants to buy real estate and wants to live here. So it's, uh, it's always going to have good demand, especially when money's cheap. I was telling somebody the other day on a quick call um, uh, in Australia that if, if things in America ever get worse than they 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 are, I, I think my country of choice would be Australia. <laughs> well, you, you're more than welcome. <laughs> I know. I, feel, I always feel welcome there. So, so I'm excited to get into this. You know, I'm I'm I appreciate what you said offline that you know that that awards are awards, and and yet at the end of the day, it's all about you know how you take care of the client and the customer and. 
And, uh, and yet I look at this and, you know, you, you, at, at Ray White, you're in their elite group. You're, you're, you know, you had this five-year run where you were like number four selling agent, number five, number three, number two, and then number one, number one, number one. And you look at, you look at the, the, just the industry at large, and I'm looking at your bio and, you know, REB has ranked you the number 10 real estate agent in Australia. You're number one, obviously, in Walrunga and, uh, it's just, what's your business philosophy? I mean, if we could just start off with that, what is your, what is your business philosophy that has allowed you to kind of earn this recognition and, and do so well as a, as a real estate professional? Are you there? Uh, yeah, just, just blanked out for a second. Okay. Yeah, so I was just I was asking you just what you, what is your business philosophy? What what how do you operate that's allowed you to just make such an impact in people's lives in your country? Um, look, it, it, I guess there's a lot to it, but it, I tried to keep it quite simple. Um, it was about six or seven years ago. I sat down and had a really good look at my own business, um, my my own team, and worked out what my what I thought my strengths were and what I knew that my flaws were. And once I realized and were quite was quite honest with myself about what my flaws were and it was a it was a list quite long but I, I worked it out and put people around me in place that basically allowed me just to focus on my strengths and so as soon as I did that and got a good team around me um, and allowed me to, to focus on my strengths which was direct communication with clients um, going in and winning the business uh, and then um, constant communication and closing the deal that's all I focus on so all the stuff around it that I that we should, I knew I should be doing, but just did either didn't have the time or didn't have the desire to do it. I put people in place to do that and put a really good team in place. Yeah. And I think what, you know, what's interesting is, as, as we study um, high performance, you know, there's, there's, there's these best practices. It doesn't matter what country you're in, you know, if it's a, if it's a, a country that has, you know, a globalness to it, that has a um, economy to it, that has, you know, all of the things that a developed country would have, there's similarities, no matter what part of the globe you go to, that at some point people realize, um, particularly in our business, right, in real estate and finance and property acquisition, you realize that there's there's only a few things that, that both you're good at and that bring you joy, right? And that um, so often there's so much time between when you start to recognize that and then the time you start to to put a team around you. And I've always said to people, you know, focus on your strengths, um, delegate your weaknesses, don't try to get good at what you're not good at. That's just a waste of time. You've been selling real estate, I think, for 15 or 16 years, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, been and a long so, time. Yeah, but but it's like the last six years, you kind of had that real conversation with yourself. Do you remember what what caused the the kind of the the desire to just kind of assess and get honest so that now you are surrounded by a team? What was it that kind of motivated you to say, you know, now's the time I've got to surround myself with with great people? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I often say I, I've had two careers in real estate. So the first 10 years of my career was really just coasting along an average performer. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wasn't really invested in, in calling it my own business, um, mentally, financially. And so I did okay. Like I was skillful. I had the same skills I have today, but I probably just wasn't as committed or invested. So um, what I did, and it, it, it was all around the time that I, I met my beautiful wife, we got married. Um, I was actually in New York City and walking down these big streets with these huge buildings. And I just remember thinking we're just so in the, in the world, we're just so small, like 
I'm a blip on the radar in the world. And I kind of thought it just, it, it actually inspired me to go, well, I actually don't want to just live a mediocre life. I want to do what I, what I believe I'm, I'm capable of achieving. So it was in New York City. I sat down with a pen and paper and drew out what I thought the perfect real estate business for me looked like, um, came back to Sydney and, and put it in place. It is, it is such a, it's such an invigorating um, assessment that, that when you start to think about you know, what your greatness can be and, and what your world can be, and to realize that we only have this limited time, right, that we'll be on this earth, it's so beautiful to watch that that kind of transformation happen where you realize, you know, I got potential and, and I'm not using it to the best of my ability. And then of course, when you have people like your lovely wife and you begin to start a family, you, you really do want to do things right. You don't want to be a slave to the business. You want to be able to be productive in life and productive in your relationships. And I have found it's hard to do that unless you're surrounded by a great team. What was yeah, the biggest absolutely. learning? Yeah. What was the biggest learning curve um, that you had? If you recall kind of that, Coming back, pen and paper mm. in Sydney. What was the biggest learning curve? Um, oh, there were so many. Yeah. I guess it happened so quickly because I'm the sort of person that if I want something, I want it yesterday. And so I came back and immediately employed two people who were put into place to, to basically do all my prospecting, which was one of my flaws. I, I was good at it when I did it. I just yeah. didn't do a lot of it. So, um, and in the first three months that we were in business together um, with, the, with my associates going out and finding me business, um, I wrote Australian dollars, about $480,000 to put that in perspective. I'd done that for the whole year prior. So I, I did it a month, in a quarter what I'd done in the whole year prior. So it was sort of, for me, it was a bit, it was all quite quick and um, I was a little bit overwhelmed with it. And I knew that if I didn't put stru more structure around me, it could have just been a bit of a boom, but then a bust because it wasn't sustainable if I hadn't put more structure around me. So um, it was it was a lot of learning on the fly. I, I did make a lot of mistakes, but I wouldn't, I don't regret any of them because the mistakes that I made um, were, were things that I learned from. And today, I guess that was the foundations of the business we've now, we've now built my, me and my business partner. We've sort of gone from um, an office that was writing sort of around $2 million um, in gross commissions to the last 12 months, we've done $10 million. So, and, um, and we're still growing. We've just, we've just acquired two new people. And now the fun is in building the business and building other agents in the business rather than my own team. Wow. So 2 million to 10 million in gross commissions inside mm. of four or five, uh, six years. Five years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So if you were to isolate one mistake, if you could speak to hundreds of thousands of agents and financial people around the world right now, what would be the biggest lesson you learned in team building? Um, the biggest lesson is not always trying to be better. So once I, my goal was to get to number one in the area and get number one market share. And I did that by reinventing myself regularly. And as soon as I got to the number one position, I just tried to do what I'd been doing rather than reinventing myself. Yeah. And, as, and when I did that, there was sort of a six-month period where I saw my figures starting to drop. And I realized it's because I wasn't continually changing up what I was doing. And the reason I'd gotten to number one was changing what I was doing constantly. So because when I did things, my competitors were co would copy um, but they just do it a little bit cheaper. And so I was always continually changing and keeping my fees high because I was different to what my com competition was doing. And so when I got to, to the, the, the place I wanted to be, 
and the leading agent in the area, I sort of thought, okay, well, I've got to do, just continue doing what I was doing because that worked. Um, but I didn't start changing things. So as soon as I went back to changing things and zigging when people were zagging, um, that's when I, you know, my business it took off even further. Yeah. You know, I think it's, I think it's a great lesson for everybody that, you know, what got you to where you are is probably not enough to keep you where you are. And if you don't change, people will emulate, people will copy. And then pretty soon you've lost your, your kind of differentiation or your distinct value. But at the end of the day, all of us have this opportunity for continual improvement. And I think the, you know, one of the questions about mindset is, is how does a top producer realize that he or she has to constantly upgrade, constantly improve. And do you have any tricks up, up your sleeve or any like experiences? Like, like how do you assess where you are, even though things appear to be going the right way? And, and how do you reassess maybe what, what is the next thing that I've got to be thinking about? Do you have a little, little. Yeah. This is probably one of my favorite topics because it's something I, I think about all the time. So for me, it was the moment that I started competing with myself was the moment that I, I sort of was the aha moment. Um, the light bulb went off and I realized I don't really care about what anyone or any of my competitors or any of even the people within my industry think of me. Um, I need to think the right things about me and I'm competing against myself. So if I don't get up and go to the gym, that's that's on me. If I don't <clears throat> if I don't have a good day or if I don't make those phone calls, that's on me. It's not on anyone else. And you could, it's it's what you do when no one's watching that I think is really important. So, so if you're competing with yourself, you're always watching. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the healthiest way to do it too. I, I don't know about you, but I see a lot of agents. I see a lot of lenders, see a lot of bankers. They're always competing with somebody else. And, and I think that that can be detrimental. I think it can be you know psychologically defeating if you don't have the right perspective and attitude. And I think the game is always be your best version of you today, right? If you can be your best version of you today and, and not relax, not that you're panicked and trying to gas it, but that's just how you are. You just develop. If I can get a half a percent or 1% or 2% better a day in a discipline or in a negotiation or something like that, that over a year is massive. And over five or six years, you, you can see what's yeah. happened to gross close commissions. Right. Um, and I love that. The, the, I love the one thing I, the one thing I also, sorry to cut, cut in, but I, that's right. the one thing I, I, I do as well that I think is a little bit different. Um, and it's funny in, in the environment that we work in sales, you always try, or a lot of agents um, try to almost make out their competitors to be bad people and um, to make them feel better about themselves if they lose a listing or they don't get the business. Whereas I go the other way and realize that all my competitors are actually really nice people. And so, but that actually makes me better or want to be better because I, if I'm thinking that they're great, they're, they're great at their jobs, they're successful, they're good people, I'd list my own house with my competitors and you realize your competition's good, that actually makes you need to be better. If you just, if you lose a listing and think, oh, that guy's a, you know, whatever, or that girl's just, she's just, she'll, she's ruthless. You kind of, you're justifying reasons that you're losing business rather than focusing on what you did wrong. And so I think as soon as you kind of realize most of your comp competition are going to be, they're going to be decent people if they're, if they're good at what they're doing. Um, and if you realize that and sort of in your mindset think, okay, well, I've got to compete with really, really um, world-class top-level people, that will actually make you hungrier and force you to be better. 
I, I think that is the healthiest definition I've heard about competition in a long time. And I think uh, it's interesting. You know, I learned early on that that if you if you talk poorly about your competition, you're actually in some kind of crazy way endorsing them or promoting them. And when you put people yep. down, it doesn't it doesn't attract people to you. And, and I think mm-hmm. that that perspective you just said is is so healthy. And, and yet, you know, what's interesting, David, is a lot of people. Um, that are in the sales business, a lot of people that are in the the commission business, like I am, like you are, like you know, real estate and lending is they 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 haven't figured out how to have a healthy perspective uh, around failure. What is your as a leading agent in the country and and tops you know top of the heap in your in your area? What is your what's your advice? I guess what's your attitude about? failing, failing and, and, and understanding the power of failure. Oh, look, I, I have this chat a lot with, with the, the, the guys and girls in the office. If you're not failing, you're not doing something right. So, um, you know, it depends what, what you're failing at. But if you're losing a listing, um, it depends if you're losing every single listing you're going to. It just means you need to focus more on what you can do better. So failure for me and learning for fa- from failure is really important. So I like asking the questions of people that chose another person, is there something I could have done better or, and a lot of people don't like answering those questions, but I think, you know, you know, when you know, you you know, if you've done something you could have done better, or, you know, if you weren't on your A game or you, you, you generally, if you're seeing enough people and you lose business, you know why you lost the business. Um, And the excuses, again, it doesn't come back to, oh, the person was cheaper or, Uh, my competition did this or they overpriced it, it comes back to, well, I didn't actually make them realize that what I can do for them will add so much value that it doesn't matter what my competition say. So um, when you get to that point and and sort of really try and you've got to take it on yourself that it is your fault that you didn't get the business. And if that doesn't sit well with you, then maybe sales isn't for you. So no one likes losing business, but if you can truly look at what you can do better and make sure you're nailing it. So if you walk out of a presentation or you walk out of some sort of consumer interaction and you don't get the business, you can turn around and say, well, I couldn't have done anything better. So I don't mind if I lose that business because that's, 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 that's not on me because I did everything. I knocked it out of the park, but I still lost it. So, you know, maybe we just didn't connect and I'll get the next one. I, I, I love that. And, and, you know, I was, it was really interesting. The, the first contract that we got after, I don't know, 12, 12 or 13 years of, of being involved in about 6,000 real estate transactions, it was a fairly large contract. And I remember saying to the decision maker, and he looked at me kind of confused. And I said, so just out of curiosity, I know we were competing with two other companies. Why did you choose us? And it was like, he looked at me and it was like, he'd never been asked that question before. And I was a believer that if I win the business, I would love the customer to tell me what I did right or what I and my team did right. And when I, when I gave that to him, he said something as simple as, it seemed like you really care. The other two companies were just pitching and promoting and they didn't even really understand what we were looking for. And it was an mm-hmm. affirmation that at the very, I'm getting, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It was an <laughs> affirmation at the front end of starting this company that that's all you have to do, man. If your clients can tell you what you're doing right and you can ask a simple question, why did you choose us just out of curiosity? That is, that is gold. That is absolute yep. gold. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, really, really exciting. So um, I, I, one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation with you is because last June in in, in the Gold Coast, uh, we, were, we were at REC and that's where I met you. And we were talking about um, price and advice. We were talking about value and commodity. And you had the most interesting strategy about disruption that I think I had ever heard in my life. And without giving it away, I want you to talk just briefly, five minutes or so, about what you talked about from stage at our rec last year with, you know where I'm going with this. Well, so (laughs) for me, me, so it all all sort of started with... um, I guess I'll go back to a story that you probably you would have heard at, at, at Arex. So um, when I was when I was young, I, I remember um, quite vividly. Uh, my mum sent me to school um, one day with, um, with with my sister's pink lunchbox. I don't know if you remember that story, Todd. But yeah, that's um, it. <laughs> but we so she sent me to school um, with the lunchbox, and it was one of my first days of school. And I came home crying with the lunch uh, with the lunchbox threw it into the kitchen and said to mum, I've had the most horrendous day as a five-year-old. I've been teased. Um, and I said, I'm not going not going back again. I need a new lunchbox because I wasn't going to take my sister's lunchbox. So anyway, to my mum's credit, and this is why I love her, she, um, she sent me to school the very next day with the same pink lunchbox. So I opened my bag with a pink lunchbox there and I was teased again. And I went home crying, said, why did you do that? And mum said, you're going back to school tomorrow again with the pink lunchbox. So after, uh, after about a week or two weeks of doing it, the other, other boys at the school started bringing in pink lunchboxes. <laughs> so I had, cause I had to make out that I was doing it cause it was cool. And it was something that I thought, well, you know, if, if mum's going to force me to do it, I've got to make something of it. And so eventually everyone had a pink lunchbox. They were going home saying, I need a pink lunchbox. Everyone's got pink lunchboxes. So people started bringing them in and before we knew it, the whole, the whole kindergarten class had pink lunchboxes. And I thought it was a really, but at the time, I, I, I didn't realise why mum was doing it, but I think that sort of built, was one of the, the foundation blocks for me as a person going, well, I need to do things differently to what everyone else is doing um, because if you do that, people will copy. And, and that's sort of been, for me in business, a hugely important thing. So um, and it all comes back to the pink lunchbox. And if I, in business, if I uh, do the same thing and do what others aren't doing, then I know that disruption comes. So, because I think if you're just doing the norm, you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're just going to be one of a hundred choices. So if you're doing something completely different, saying things differently, mixing things up, then the choice will, will be quite obvious for a consumer. You've got to give them, you've got to have a clear point of difference from your competition and stand out from, from your competition and I think that pink lunchbox story is 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 a is a beautiful one because it it showed me very early on that it, the importance of standing out, the importance of being different, and don't let people put you down if you're doing things a bit differently because eventually they're going to start copying you. So you 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 have a lot of uh, gratitude for your mom and and uh, the pink lunchbox. And uh, I I you know I think it's interesting that that I was talking to Deb after meeting you in in uh, at the Gold Coast and and I looked her in the eyes and I said um, 
I may forget a lot that happened at, at our rec. I might forget, you know, the, the, the smiles of the agents that were in the, the big auditorium. I think there was 3000 people there. And, and I remember um, that it was, I was told two days before that they had switched to this kind of in the round square yeah. stage. And so I had to figure that whole thing out. And, and, and I looked at her afterwards and I said, um, I may forget a lot of this, but I am never going to forget David Walker and I'm never going to forget the pink lunchbox ever. Right. And I, I bring it up because how many real estate agents in the world, how many lenders in the world do not create a story? Do not create differentiation. Do you know? Are just trying to be trying to be better than the masses when we all know that the masses aren't doing it the right way anyway. So I would, you know, you take the pink lunchbox metaphor, and it is a metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. What, what, what? How do you and your team just proactively think about disruption? I mean, what, what, what's the laboratory? at David Walker Real Estate, what do you do? How do you keep the lesson of the pink lunchbox alive? And what are two or three of the examples of how you have you have disrupted and you have differentiated? Because clearly whatever you're doing is working. Yeah, look, um, for, for us, there's a lot of little things. So it started for me with video. I was doing videos with properties well before anyone was doing videos, but then everyone started doing videos. So I changed up the way I was doing the videos, uh, comes down to price strategy. So if people are putting price guides or asking prices on properties, I don't, if people start taking them off, I'll put them on. Um, it comes down to just the way that you're interacting with people, the way I dress, the way um, it's, it's so many different things, marketing, um, how the marketing's looking, uh, the dialogue I'm having with owners, what, what we're talking about. So in, the middle of COVID, when everyone was going back into their shell and saying, "Okay, we're we're gonna have we're gonna have a bit of a holiday here at home," and you know, I'm really just go- I love the line that everyone was using is, "I'm just gonna reconnect with the family and have you know a couple of months off." And I thought this is great because I'm gonna tell everybody the benefits of getting on the market right now um, because the the time is now because there is no competition on the market. So if you want to get a great price for your home, we need to be putting your property on the market right now. Everyone, every other agent was saying, oh, you wouldn't put your property on the market in the middle of this pandemic. And I was saying, hang on a minute, there's an opportunity here. So it was, my dad always says, and he still does, he says, if they're not, if they're not, it doesn't matter what they say about you as long as they spell your name right. And so if you're doing the right thing and people are talking about you and people are trying to copy you, that's exactly what you want. So um, you just need to make sure you're doing things that are completely different to whatever your competition is. So, and it, it might not be reinventing the wheel. It's not always sitting down and saying, we've got to do something completely new and we need to start using this latest tech or I need to start doing it. It might just be something that was, was being, being done 10 years ago that is no longer being done. So it's not, it's not something that, um, that I, I think about and kind of think, well, I've got to do something brand new. It's just something different to what everyone else is doing. So you're giving your consumer a choice because if you're just doing the same as everyone else, they're going to go with the lowest price, the, the lowest fee and the highest price. So, um, but for me, it's kind of, well, let's give them a clear choice. So if I lose the business, then they're just going to want mediocre. But if they're wanting the best and they're wanting a different outcome to the rest of the market, then they're going to go with us. 
Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I think, I think far too often we, we forget about this. You know, there's so much choice, right? There's so many options for consumers to, to use in, in what you and I do for a living. And I remember being a, a young uh, real estate broker and, and lender. And, and my mentor said, the key to success is to stand up as tall as you can, look at the direction that everybody is going in your space and turn around and go the other way. And I'll never forget that. It, it was like, how do you uniquely separate yourself from others? And I remember that first time I, I said to a borrower, I said, you know, most lenders will do this, which is the masses. And then I mm -hmm. said, how we are different is, and we do this. And it's like you said earlier, they're all zagging and, and I do a zig. And it's like, that's the best recipe for success is just don't follow people because it seems like that's the mass migration of, of people because we already know that you're just lost in a sea of choice. And it sounds like you've yeah. used the, the lunchbox and, 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 and doing the right thing and, and, and being valuable and, 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 and going against the, the tide a little bit. And that's paid off handsomely. Yeah, and it's also, I think in sales, it's easy to say we're the best at this and we we can do this and this is how we do it and this is, you know, this is what we're really good and look at all my awards. It's easy to do that. But what I try and do and, and instill in, in our team to do is you actually need to show people. So with with people selling their houses with vendors, I'll often say, make me an offer on your house and I'll show you how I'll get you up in price. And the, the easiest thing to do is negotiate with somebody who owns the house because they're going to give you more money quite easily. So, and I'll say to them, you know, give me a, I want you to be a hard buyer with me, but make an offer on the, on your house. And I'll get them to from one and a half million to 2.2 million within about two minutes. And just with, you know, I've got the, the dialogue down pat, but from there I'm there saying, okay, I've just gotten you up $700,000. And I asked you to be a hard buyer with me. Most agents will, when they get the first offer, they're coming back to you as a seller, trying to get you to accept it. And I've just shown you in the space of two minutes how I've gotten you up $700,000. So if, has any other agents gone through that with you? And they're like, no. I said, well, I'm showing you. I'm not just telling you. And so if you can show people how good you are at your craft, not just tell them and give them case studies and examples and testimonials and back it up with things that are evidence and not just words, because I think in sales, it's easy to just have words um, but back it up with things you're gonna you're gonna get to the number one um, position where wherever you want to get to you know what's so interesting to me is is i remember being at, at our rec and we were talking about um turn down the promotion turn up the emotion right and the idea of of if 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 you don't know how to do that then you will always default to what the the seller in this case wants and that's mm -hmm. not professionally necessarily the right thing to do and why you you have one of the things i saw in your bio is you're you're really really big on you know what um customers say and and i i'm just going to say this because as near it says um awards are great and david has won plenty of them plus enjoys a track record of sales and and auction success that speaks for itself but David prefers to let his clients do the talking and there's nothing more meaningful than recommendations from previous clients who are happy to affirm their satisfaction with how you and the team handle the sale of their property. That, that to me is, is a mindset and, and it's the mindset that if all you're doing is show is telling and not showing, if all you're doing is 
you miss all of that. So I'd like to have you just talk about how how are you as a as a as a leading owner as a top producer talk about the culture of of your team you and your partner's team and the whole approach to to you know blowing the customer's mind and just doing them right yeah so that's probably two parts to that so the first part on an individual salesperson basis so i stopped a long time ago i stopped um focusing on having commission breath, which I think a lot of people have, which you basically, you're all, all about just getting paid and moving on. Um, so we we stopped focusing on the money side of it. And obviously the money side is really important. So anyone that tells you it's not, you know, they're, 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 that's just not the case. But for me, what is far more important at the end of the transaction is to get a recommendation or review from the buyer and seller. And if we can't, then there's a problem. So if, if that's what you're focused on and everything you're doing throughout that process is focused on getting the review and getting a good five-star review, but a genuine review as well from both buyer and seller, if you can get that every single time, the commission will go wherever you want it to go. Um, I think too many people are looking at the short-term, a very short-term view. They want immediate gratification, which is I'm just going to get a sale at any cost and move on to the next one. And you're not then you're not getting the word of mouth you're not getting referrals you're not getting recommendations so for us it's all about i don't want just your business but i want your friend's business and your friend's friend's business so that's where our business grew exponentially but as a culture for our business greg and i uh five years ago when we sort of came together to build the business that we we had taken over we it was probably a slower burn because there were agents at the time we could have recruited from other businesses, but we chose not to because we have um, what we call a no dickheads policy, and so we 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 decided oh, wait, wait. there say and then. Just say that again because I, I think it got lost in the ten thousand miles between us. <laughs> we have a no dickheads policy. So no dick <laughs> and, and, and so it was basically it was it's a very very simple. Um, equation of do we like the people do we think that um, we'd want to spend time with those people and if you build a culture around good people it may be you may have to pass on some big money riders you may pass on some immediate gratification and we definitely did there were some hard decisions to to turn some people away and, and say thanks but no thanks and that could have immediately boosted our business um, where you know to where we were wanting to get to but it would have caused a lot more problems down the track. So we made sure in our expansion with the people that we recruited, they're all good people. They're people that I actually enjoy spending time with. I had a beautiful evening last night with 17 of them. Um, uh, one of them's going, uh, ha having a baby in two weeks and we just all just stood back and that was 12 months ago we started that, that arm of our business. And today, well, last night, we had 17, 17 of them all standing there and just a, just an absolutely beautiful night with great people. So we built up our business around people and but making sure that there wasn't, if you just get one bad egg or one person where it's all about ego, all about themselves, that defines your business because that's the person that's going to be out there and annoying everyone and they'll want to be front and centre of your business. Whereas if you can get people that within a business that, hardworking, hungry, but they're all around, all about lifting other people up and all about trying to help and being a family. If you do that, you're going to have a really successful business that is a business of attraction that people want to work in 
people and our competitors, one of the, the, the people there last night has just come across from one of our biggest competitors. And she said, looking into your business um, from an external person, it, everyone is talking about wanting to be a part of your business. And so we, um, it was really, really humbling to kind of hear that. And, um, and we, we're attracting the right people, but it was a slower burn. And I'm really glad we went that way. Yeah, I, I think that is a remarkable commentary. And, um, you know, I've just I've just found if you uh, you, you, you take care of the people, uh, the profits take care of themselves. Um, life's too short to do people do business with people you don't like, including if you're building your own company and hiring. Um, clearly, one of the, the high performer strategies globally is only work with people that are A players and only work with people you like. And there's enough people to make your business thrive if you have that kind of attitude. And I think it's worth repeating that you could have a great team of 100 people and five of them could be dickheads using your word. And that can, that can obsessively control the other 95 people. And uh, really a beautiful commentary. Well, we've been going for 36 minutes, 37 minutes. I could go for hours, but uh, where, where are you going to go next? What are you, where are you going to take the brand? And you're, you're already at the top of the heap. Um, why do you do what you do and where do you want to go? That's um, something we've been thinking a lot about. So we're still building. That's the, the fun and scary thing about it. So we're, we're about to, in the next six months, open another office. Um, we'll probably, there's another, another office that's already existing that, um, that we we may sort of just take over as well. So there's um, there's still expansion out there for me personally. Um, I'm getting more enjoyment out of building other the, the people within my business now rather than building my own um, my own personal business. So I'm really excited to uh, to see where we can take that. There's one of um, one of the the ladies who worked in my team three years ago, Anna. She um, she was one of my associates who um, who started her real estate career in her mid 40s and. She in she's now an agent, um, a fully fledged agent in her own right with her own team, and um, she this year's written well over a million dollars um, of gross commissions, which in um, in Ray White and in Australia is sort of you're in the top one percent if you do that. And so, I actually found myself more proud of her doing that than what I've ever been in my of my in my own career. So, and that was sort of for me, it was a realization that I I want to build other people up now and want to build their businesses and. And that's so that's for me where I'm going. So more of a sales um, coach, mentor, uh, manager, helping people build their businesses. And um, and yeah, and, you know, I've got other things in the works like uh, behind me, I'm building a, a house. So a, a secondary house. So doing a bit of developing and um, that, just in spending more time with with kids. I've got a three year old and a five year old. So um, coaching, coaching my five year olds rugby team. So um, <laughs> but just things, things that are that are. Um, good things to do in life and that's what that's what I guess the next next little while holds for me and who knows where we'll go we're currently the third um, largest business in the Ray White group and and the aim is to get to number one which I think we'll do in the next two to three years so I'm looking forward to getting there. So Ray White is globally internationally I mean you guys are in the Pacific Asian rim all the way down to New Zealand and and even in the you have branches in the Middle East and everything right it's a huge brand. It's so Ray White is the biggest group, biggest real estate group in Australasia. Okay, yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. the third largest brand within that group. Yeah, within within the um the the real estate group, yeah. Yeah, well, I love, I love, I watched a video of um 
the original Ray White store, I guess, or whatever that video was. It was really interesting to go back all the way to see the generations. And, you know, you guys are, um, you're, a, you're a beautiful brand and, and uh, you've got a, a lending arm too in loan market. And uh, it's just, it's, it's exciting to see what people can do when they've got the right mindset, like building people up and being a builder of people and the right mindset of differentiating and the right mindset of working on yourself. Uh, I mean, everything we covered in 40 minutes is gold, my friend. And I really appreciate you giving us, uh, giving us time from your life. And uh, I know it's uh, the morning over there in Sydney. I hope you have a beautiful day and uh, closing thought, the one thing you would like to say to everybody about success in one word. Well, it's a tough one. Uh, one, one word is, well, it's probably not one word, but just get the most out of yourself and don't, don't, don't benchmark yourself about against anyone but yourself. So be better than you were yesterday and set a plan for being better than you were yesterday. And if you do that, then it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. If you did better than what you did yesterday, you're going to have a great day. That's remarkable. Remarkable. David White, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, this podcast is uh, labeled Where Success Happens. And anybody that watches these 40 minutes is going to be more successful because of you and the impact you made. So hats off, my friend, and uh, appreciate you very much. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Todd Duncan. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I am super excited about Sales Mastery 2020 the live digital experience. This is the first time in the 28 year history of Sales Mastery that we've actually gone entirely digital, responding to the market, and we're gonna be broadcasting the event live. What does this mean for you? Well, first of all, front row access. Yes, front row access to the longest running event and most extensive training event in the industry bar none and 30 days of access to every session after the event has concluded. No airfare, no hotel reservations, no extra expenses, just cutting edge content from world-class speakers, trainers, and industry experts delivered straight to you in the comfort of your own office or home. Click the link in the show notes and check out the speakers, panels, and agenda over 10,000 attendees have already registered. Secure your spot today.